Hello, everybody. It's your boy. What's up? What's going on? We're here for another episode of At Joel Cupcake Unedited. Uh, you probably already read the banner at the bottom. You probably see the headset, so you know what that means. Time for another guest. Oh, yes. Uh, this dude I have known since uh, basically I was I was a young man and he was a young man. So I don't think I can find a guest I've known longer to put on this fucking show. So I'm very excited about. So ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Nick Arthur. What's Nick, up, man? What's going on? How are we doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Just got some uh, negative test results back for the coronavirus. And oh, yeah, I was a little good. worried. I heard a heard a friend of a friend came in contact, and I was hanging Uh-oh. out with them all last weekend on a little getaway. So it was good to hear that everybody. Yeah, you had like a bachelor party ish type thing last week, right? Yeah, my friends were getting married, and uh, they had to cancel and postpone their wedding literally a full year. And last weekend was the weekend that they were supposed to get married. So we decided to have a little friends retreat and enjoy and celebrate, you know, That's one awesome. way or another. That's awesome. Well, that's yeah. good. I'm, I'm glad you're uh, clean and safe, brother. That makes me Thank happy. Um, yep. Real quick, before we get started, everybody, Nick sings for a band called Maltov Solution. Um, and that is the last fucking time I'm going to bring that up. Um, if you are watching this episode to get the lowdown on the new Maltov record, um, all I'm going to tell you is that it is coming and I'm not going to fucking ask Nick about it. So if that's what you're here for, uh, just fucking hit the X in the window in the top corner. Okay, tight. Cool. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for being here. I love you. Um, I've been doing this for about a, about like a month and a half now. It's fun. This is actually, you know, I'm going to tell the people we're going to do a two-part episode without giving any of the details of the second episode away. And it's going to be the 19th and 20th episode, which is like, I didn't think people would, people would care as much as they have. I already have over 100 subscribers. I'm jazzed. So I'm glad you can be here to tell your story. And so we can meet Nick Arthur unedited. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love of you course. too. Of course. <laughs> uh, guys, I met Nick a long, long, long time ago. He used to be in another metalcore band from Vegas. And um, I, you know, we went over a couple episodes ago. I used to tour with Arsenis, get all the girls and do all that. And we just became like, awesome we had this awesome little vegas connection with this small group of people one of those groups of people turned into Maltov solution so um you know nick i'm pretty sure most people are going to watch this are familiar with the band mm-hmm. and all that shit uh you know you've been filling in uh with the artist murderer a few times in the last couple of years between like cj having a kid and having the issues with his throat and all that stuff but how did you you know people know that that they can go to fucking lamb goat and see that you know I want people to get to know you like take me back to like before we met. Cause we met, I mean, I was maybe 19 when we met, Yeah, but you were like 17 when we met, 17, right? 17 yeah. or 18. Yeah. Yeah. So, so take me back to like high school, Nick, like how did you get into metal metal core, that world? How did you get into being a band? You know, I don't even know. I met you when you were an LTB, but I don't even know if you, we're in a band before that. I don't remember because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, not nothing, nothing notable, I guess for sure. But okay. I mean, I I grew up. Um, I didn't I didn't have any older siblings, so I didn't have a lot of people to like look up to, um, in that sense for music and different things. But uh, I did have older cousins. They were predominantly like into rap and hip hop, like LA based stuff. I mean, okay. they were Biggie too, but no cap. But uh, <laughs> uh. 
my dad was always kind of like a big metal guy and like hard rock, you know, like sure. 90s alternative, etc. So he was big into Metallica and Pantera, all those, you know, cool things. He loves. I did not know that. I did not know that about your dad. That's sick, dude. Yeah, I, I I take him to concerts all the time. I've taken him to see a Perfect Circle. We just saw Tool not too long ago. He likes System of a Down and all that stuff too. So, so. fucking, I, Tool's one of those bands I've still never seen live, man. Like, yeah. It was pretty epic. Uh, I was really stoked. That was my first time seeing him too. But oh, sick. Okay. Um, so beyond that, I mean, I did like through high school and stuff. I I guess I listened to like punk and emo and different things like that, which kind of slowly progressed up through like like post hardcore. Thrice is still one of my favorite bands to this day. Awesome. Um, like as I lay dying metalcore Norma Jean stuff like that into like barrier dead and then the acacia strain and all yeah. that stuff, you know, until I guess I was evergreen terrace was a big one for me, but, uh, Ooh, I coming, love that band. dude. Yeah. Coming Bird out of my time or whatever the fuck that best. is. Called, yeah. It's like seriously, like top five metalcore records, like period. Fully agree. The first guys to do the singing with the fucking moshing, and it was just like it's just like wonderful. them, them, and then like I feel like the other band that did that that doesn't get enough credit is from Autumn to Ashes. Yeah, like, yep. That band crushed it. They the after dinner it. payback. Yeah. Oh, dude, yes, that fucking yeah. The fiction we live was like that album's one of the like because I got into metalcore a little late. You know what I mean? So like that album was like I was like, oh, I'm here, I'm living. For this, like, give me the breakdowns. Give yeah, me the singing. Like, I loved it. I loved. It. Anyways, sorry, I cut you off. Continue. Yeah, no. So I have, I have a younger brother, and he's like, at the time in high school, we spent a lot more time together, and he was kind of like into some of the stuff that I was into. Like, the it was more like the lighter stuff, like Comeback Kid. He was a big From Autumn's Ashes fan because of the singing and stuff like that. Yeah. But he kind of went a different way, and I went a different way. Clearly, like with bands and stuff like that. But yeah. I tried to start bands, straight edge, hardcore bands, anything to like, I was in a Christian metalcore band at one point. There was, there was a bunch of stuff and it just never really stuck. And then uh, I was friends with the guys in Lynch Thy Beauty and they saw me like jump on stage and sing along with a friend's band called Take. I'm sure you've heard of Take from Vegas. Yeah, I know. I know um... Holy shit. John, the singer, Maticus, Dan. Dan, yes. Dan. Yeah, I know. I've met John a bunch of times, but a dance who I know. I almost said I know Johnny from that. Band. Yeah, I was like, no, that's not the one I know. Well, yeah, uh, no. yeah, because Dan was in Destruction of a Rose. Yeah, yeah. And I did. You know, they did that, that tour with Arsonist, so I got pretty close with yeah. DJ and Dan and all those boys. Yep. So when I was growing up, or I almost say growing up, but when I was in high school, Destruction of a Rose and Lynch Thy Beauty were like the two like big metalcore bands from our area, like the cool ones. Yeah. yeah. And they asked me to sing for them to replace their old singer. Um, I was like, hell yeah, you guys are like a sick band. You're about to do tours and stuff like that. We were about to sign with your record label, blah, blah, blah. So started yeah. practicing with them. And then the first tour that I, the first and only tour I did with them was Lynch Thy Beauty, Impending Doom and Molotov Solution. And it was just a little West Coast run. Yeah. And uh, I had already met you. You were actually in Vegas hanging out prior to that. I think it was for Firefest or something like that. Yes, that's I was there because I wanted to see fucking uh, Necrophagist and Misericordium. Yeah. Yep. And then because Misericordium, up, you know, refused to ever leave Vegas to play a show. Nope. They so, did not like no, to, no, to tour. No shade. If any of them watch this, no shade. But that, not, band, never. that band literally could have been like, <laughs> they could have been job for a cowboy if, oh, they yeah. had, if they had fucking left. But In the MySpace days, they were there. That's where 
they yeah. were up at the top. Yeah, yeah, that's whack. Yep. And Anyways. then on that tour, we yeah. um, got to hang out in Santa Cruz for a little bit. Um, I took you guys to the beach. I remember that. Yeah. And then that was the day that you actually gave us the contracts to sign with process. I I was like featured on the contract because I was the only one that was a legal adult at the time. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. Well, so I had to sign everything. Or, or little BBs. Yeah. They were like 16. Yeah. Oh, so that man. was that. Um, Robbie molotov robbie actually hated me absolutely hate i was like such a prick like well I, like, I don't to be fair i don't remember liking robbie when i first met him either yeah and he but, probably didn't like my fucking wild hippie ass like that likes to drink too much either you know what yeah I mean? and i was just a dick back then i specifically to robbie i guess i don't know probably because he was robbie and i was like i was me and i was like fuck you dude but um yeah then after that tour, Lynch Thy Beauty dissolved. Mm-hmm. Um, Sims and Kevin ended up joining Molotov as the bass player and the third guitarist. Um, didn't oh, last God. super I long. They, I forgot they did the three guitar things for a while. Yeah, like, just for a little. And then um, Jeremy toured a bunch with them. And then eventually, when we did the tour, Jeremy was playing drums for Molotov. Jeremy and I were super close at the time, like hanging out every day. He told Robbie to try me out because Jeremy and I had been working on a music project together. Robbie tried me out and I got the gig like that. It was, yeah. you know, all history from there. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you guys, you guys released a couple records on a couple different labels and shit like that. So it was like, you guys definitely had like a good like tenure, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I've always been a fan, you know, um, I prefer like the older Maltov t- to the newer, which I know most people don't say that out loud. So I'm sorry. Oh no, a, lo- a lot of people do. A lot. I prefer the oh, older really? Maltov to the newer Maltov. Oh. So well, yeah, I was well, a big fan of the self-titled. Okay. Definitely. Well, because I so Maltov when they had the uh, the old singer, mm-hmm. they got signed to that 12 gauge records, which is in San Jose. They did that split with yep. War from a Harlot's Mouth, which is still the greatest the greatest band of all time. But. Yep. Uh, that split was like, dude, like I knew the guys that runs that label, his name is Jihad. You know what I mean? And like, yep. I loved, like he said, he showed me that. And I was like, this Molotov band is fucking bonkers, dude. Yeah. That album was insane. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So, so I don't joined... like surreal to, that I got to fucking get to know everybody. I don't remember liking Robbie at first. And then like, we did some tours where we, I, I just kept running into you guys. And like you and I were always tight and got obviously have gotten way closer over the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, not at the point where we kiss um, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But sorry, if that offends anybody watching, you can just fuck off. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, you know what I mean? And so like, but I just remember like, dude, what was that? Where were we? I was on another tour and it combined with your tour and we, we played some shit ass like VFW hall on the border of like Alabama and Kansas or like somewhere over there. And there was that strip club across the street. And remember we went over there and the light girl claimed she used to do lights for corn. And then like, so they got all the strippers to dance to new metal for us. Like, you know, and I, like I don't, I don't remember what that venue was, but I wasn't remember. it. It was, uh, was it Destruction of a Rose and, um, not and Hell Followed with, uh, Blind Witness? Was it that? 
Maybe. I forget why I was there, but you guys played two. Like, your tour combined with the tour I was on. But then, like, that was the night where, like, Robbie ended up getting pissed drunk and, like, he got in a fight with somebody in your band or something like that. And like mm-hmm. people were on the roof throwing shit at each other. Like we all, our whole tour packets got really out of hand that day. I can't even remember. I probably disassociated myself. <laughs> yeah. That's, I barely, I barely like the strip club thing is like the only thing I really remember because like that was when I was sober. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, you know, it rings a bell, but I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, continue. I, you, you were, you were, Oh, I was going to say, so that that album, that initial self-titled album, which is one of my favorite metal albums of all time, um, prior to even joining the band, when they sent it to me, I was like, this is insane. And then, yeah. you know, just going through all of the words and everything, learning it, it's become one of my favorites. Anyway, uh, I joined just after that album got recorded. And then... And they did not re-record it with you, right? They did not. I'm not the vocalist on that album. Um, Kyle quit after they recorded. Uh, the band reformed, and I had to then learn all the songs and everything prior to the release of that album. So it was probably like five or six months prior to that album being released that I actually joined, did the whole release process um, and everything, which 12 Gauge was very hands-off. I think there might have been some B for issues with record labels and stuff because I know Metal Blade wanted to sign us. So, well, turns out we had to crank out another album real fast for Metal Blade shortly after releasing that self-titled. So it didn't even get the attention or album yeah, cycle that it deserved. Yeah, I remember that. And it, well, it was that's also awkward, like having to yeah. release a record that you're not on. Yeah. You know? Like, why should everybody expect you to push that material? Yeah. When you're not even on the record. At the time now, that makes sense to me, but back then I was like 20 years old and I didn't care. And I was just like, this is sick. Like, let's just do it. But well, that's actually probably yeah. better on you for not caring back then. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a story with that album. It, uh, you know, that's a story with all the Molotov albums. They all, they all kind of get, got, uh, screwed over a, a little bit by the uh, yeah. music industry each way. Unfortunately, it happens to, far too many people I've seen, whether it's from a management perspective or, oh, you, we have this killer city release tour for you lined up. Surprise, you're headlining. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, or it's fucking, oh, uh, yeah, we decided to cut your marketing budget in half. So, like, here's your sick article on Lambgoat. Like, go push the record sales. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. there's, there's some bullshit. Like, that's marketing is like my big thing when it comes to like my bands being on labels like as from a manager you know like because i just that's like the key that is the key like if people don't know what's coming out and it's not seen everywhere even if i don't you don't need the ap and all that but just like you know spend a little bit of money so that like everybody on instagram knows the records coming out this that the other thing you know that's when i tell band members like hey you've made all these friends like cash in even if these people can't physically afford to buy your music, be like, can you just repost that the album's out for me? And like, I don't know. I don't know. You've always been a guy that's like, you've worked hard. You understand that stuff. You've been good at it. Yeah. I mean, you're also my friend and you write music that I enjoy. So like, maybe I guess I'm a little like impartial or whatever the term is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I don't know, fucking whatever. I, I was always sad that you guys have been on a hiatus. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, though. Robbie's killing it with his tattoo work. You know, I know you've got, like, a, a real job. That's awesome. You know, how did how did this stuff with uh, with fucking Byrder's Murder come, come along? 
Um, I mean, I, guess I don't I actually just... know that story, like personally, like, but you just, I just remember you telling me, oh yeah, I'm going to go fill in for them. And I was like, that's fucking lit. Yeah. It, it's nothing crazy. I mean, oh. when Molotov was still touring, we played a show with, we were on tour with fit for an autopsy and the devastated. Um, we played at champs in New Jersey and Diard is murder was in the studio with Will Putney who yeah. recorded insurrection for us. Yes. Um, they were in the studio with him. They decided they wanted to hop on the show. We played a show with them, met them. I was like, damn, this is crazy music. These guys are nuts. Yeah. Um, they were super, super friendly and humble and just seemed like cool guys. Um, had weird accents, but you know, other than that, like we pretty much made friends with them right away. There wasn't a ton of communication beyond that because I think Molotov really only toured for six months post that tour. Okay. Um. So I remember that like, we 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 booked that in Santa Cruz. Yeah. At that little place with the blue walls. Yeah. Yep. There so there's a somebody got knocked out and the cops came and anyways. Yeah. That was like every show. Um. But yeah, no, like we didn't have much interactions with them outside of Molotov. Um. Richie joined Fit for an Autopsy. Uh. Shane joined Fit for an Autopsy. Um they had interactions because fit and thy art are like sister bands, kind of like how Molotov and fit were too. Um, yeah. And then, and then Richie left and went to the Acacia strain, which also kind of became like a sister band. They released that depression sessions, three way split EP yeah. together. They're all like good friends out there. So, I mean, Molotov stayed close to thy art through other members, not me. Um, when CJ was, when CJ had quit, um, I almost immediately got reached out to by Marshy um, asking me if I could fill in for them on a tour that they had planned. And they had already done, I think, like the Australian and American legs of the Ire Parkway Drive tour. And well, that's they were right. That's to, what it was. Yeah. They were about to do the European leg of it. And uh, he asked me if I could do it. I got it cleared with work. And it it was crazy because I was gone from work for like a month and a half because – I was on a work trip prior to leaving. So I had like two weeks to learn all the songs. Uh, Jesus. Left for a work trip. On the work trip, I was stressing out because I was working, going to a, like a fashion convention in Florida. So from Las Vegas to Florida, there for a week, partying, doing all that stuff, but still trying to like listen to songs and learn songs and like make sure I wasn't going to blow it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I flew straight out from Miami to Frankfurt. Uh, didn't really know anybody in the band, you know, like knew had been in communications with Marshy, but like, didn't know the guys. Yeah, personally. Like, like, Oh, I played a show with you a couple of years ago. Sick. Yeah. That was like our own interaction. And I think I hung out with him one other time at extreme thing in Vegas, but other oh, than okay, that, yeah. nothing. So the TM is a German dude named Chris picks me up from a German airport at like four or 5. AM from miami uh takes me to the hotel room everybody's asleep it's like a weird hostel where there's like bunk beds and like random and he's like yeah. you're sleeping over there next to sean and i'm like okay everybody's asleep in the room i like crawl into the bed put my headphones on and like lay like down next to sean and i'm just like listening to the music <laughs> like learning the songs while everyone's sleeping because we had that day and then the next day was the first show 
Oh, and so we, we, after waking up and like getting acquainted, uh, we drove to the practice spot or to the equipment spot, got all the equipment and then drove to the practice spot and, uh, did like rehearsal a couple times. It went pretty smooth. I was super nervous, but I, you know, just hypercritical. And, and then the day of the, the next day, the day of the first show, we did like a quick run through of like stuff that I wasn't solid on. And then the show happened that night and I was, I thought I was going to die. I was so like stressed out, overcome with anxiety. Yeah. Uh, the first show was sold I mean, out. You're fucking playing with Parkway Drive. Like yeah, that's insane. Like, it was that's, a massive room. Was that probably 4, the biggest show you'd ever play at that point in time? At that point in time, I think, I mean, we had played at some big festivals, but, and like sold out Palladium stuff and different things, but this was 4,000 people at capacity, pretty much sold out. And this Not huge hall. Music. Not your yeah. Music. Yeah, not my music bro that the setup on the stage was all parkway drives backline and that first the first couple of nights i barely had enough room in between the drum the kick drum yeah. and the front monitors to fit my foot Jeez, like long ways like it, it was so tight you could so barely move around on stage so you're, you're stressed you just learned this music you're probably jet lagged slash partying too much and you're like, I can't even fucking use these monitors because I have to stand on them. You know, yeah, what I mean? pretty much. There was nowhere to move. I was uncomfortable yeah. with the music. I didn't know how to move to the music. So we got into like a routine of doing shots right before we'd go on to kind of like loosen up the nerves, whatever. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But that first night was 4,000 people. Not bad. Wasn't a bad show. The second <laughs> night was 6,000 people. Jeez. And uh, then it was like all history. Yeah. We kind of just banged it out, got very comfortable with each other. I started having more fun on stage because I was less stressed out and more yeah. just comfortable with the songs. And and then they asked me to do it again, and uh, it turned out I was able to do it again. I did like a short leave and did it again later that year because they had tried out another full-time vocalist. They wanted me to sing for them full-time, and I, I just have no interest in touring full-time anymore. So they tried out another full-time vocalist. That didn't work out. Um, they had uh, a friend fill in with them for a while um he wasn't able to continue touring with them anymore um so they asked me to do it again and i was able so i did and that was we that was the um empiricon uh never say die tour it's like Whitechapel, carnifex yeah i remember yeah uh missing somebody anyway it was sick it was super fun and um that was when they told me that cj was coming back he just wasn't able to do that tour and uh and then that was it and then last that was year, like around the time he was having a kid or some or no the, that the was last time, year the third time you filled in was yeah. the kid thing okay that's right yeah so last year he was having a baby and he left the tour like like a week and a half early 10 days or so and i just finished that architects tour architects and while she sleeps yeah yeah i remember that was it that tour that hit like, did you play Not Fest with them or something like that? Like, no, I didn't. I just they remember. I just remember seeing like I forget which video it is, but like I remember like one of those times you filled in. I like somebody uh, somebody sent me a video. It was like before it was like super public that you were filling in for them. You know uh, what I mean? Somebody sent me a video and they're like, dude. There's like five thousand people in this room, isn't that? Isn't that fucking Nick from Malta? Because you guys were on hiatus and like, uh-huh. you know. I know I said we weren't going to talk about Malta, but you know there are a lot of people that wish your band was full time. You know what I mean? And so like I have I have a lot of friends that unfortunately know you and I are close. Yeah. And they're like, is that fucking Nick singing for thy art? And I was like, this is 
you know, like I don't fanboy a lot. Like I've known mm-hmm. so many of these people, you know, Johnny from once to play slept in my closet once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've known so many people for so fucking long that like, I don't really freak. And like, but yeah. I was like, it wasn't like a fanboy moment, but I was like, dude, that's my fucking boy. <laughs> and that's like 5,000 people singing yeah. along with the shit coming out of his fucking mouth. Like, yeah. That was so sick, dude. So, sick. I mean, it's dope. Uh, it's, it's super fun. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't think of it the same way as like, it's not my words, whatever. It just, it's very, I love performing. Yeah. I love playing shows. I hate touring, but playing shows is, it's so fun. It's such a good, like rush, especially when you're doing it with people that you have fun with, like touring with thy art. I mean, it was very pampered. Like it wasn't the way Molotov toured where I was like loading all the equipment and doing merch and like, you know, having to yeah. bust ass every day. Uh, I would wake up at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon, stroll into the venue, hungover, like try to recover a little bit before we started like drinking again. Uh, especially on that Never Say Die tour, it was hard to well, wait around Europe, all day. Well, and yeah, then well, and, and in Europe, it's different. Like catering's different. Like you're actually, yeah. you know, you show up. There's showers. There's places for you to do your laundry. Like everything is literally brought to you, right? Like, yeah, it's so nice. Catering, food. I mean just whatever you need there's tons of beer like it just it's it was such a different way of touring than what i was used to yeah and it was so easy so nice there was no pressure i mean there was there was there was some pressure from marshy in the beginning because he wanted to know if i wanted to sing with them full-time and i had to deal with like the idea of like trying to come back to touring full-time or not and i just it just came down to deep down i i i'm not happy when i'm on the road about a week or two at a time, it's fine. You know, you, you can have fun, you can party, whatever. But yeah. like after that, I start getting very like depressed and it just, I miss home, you know? So it's, yeah, it's a hard it. lifestyle. But when you're doing it with people that you love and enjoy and you you have fun with, it's, it's much easier. Mm. Molotov had, we had our ups and downs and I was a big contributor to some of those downs. But there was a lot of time that we spent on the road that wasn't fun. Most of the time we got along and and we're having fun, but there was a lot of like clashes of ego and personality. And since we've kind of reconvened and uh, like not to talk about writing new music, but Robbie and I get along much better now. Yeah, we did it. We did he's a, a. He's a different. He's a much different. Like, dude. Like, I love seeing when I whenever I do get to see him when I'm in Vegas, yeah. seeing you and the girls and everybody, like, and all the distinguisher guys. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, I usually run into Robbie, and he's just like a. Fu- it's like so fun to see him. Yeah, he's and definitely I, changed. I've grown too. You know, we've yeah. we both matured, and and we did that. We did that Australian tour. Molotov did that Australian tour in uh twenty, like the end of twenty fourteen, and we get along right. so much better. We had a ton of fun. Um, like it, it. I don't know. Touring with IR was was a whole nother story, but yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not, well, I don't. I, mean, talk, I, I keep wanting to talk about Molotov stuff, but you know, we'll. I mean, we'll it's let, okay. Like we'll let that happen when it happens. Yeah, it's oh well, yeah. I mean, I'm, there's more. I'm sure there's. You know, you just admitted you were writing music, so I'm sure there's more to come on that from other outlets and whatnot. Yeah. So, but yeah well, yeah. well, I mean, like, what about so like, you know, I mean, like, I guess I I can ask. I I feel like you're a good person to ask this question because like you've seen, you've seen the life that Thy Art gets, mm-hmm. the treatment they have. A, 
a solid team. They're run like you know, they're all get along the they're great dudes, but like they're also a good they're also a well oiled machine. Like it's a oh, it's yeah. a mix of business and fun over there. You've been in a band and I feel like from an outsider looking in, I feel like part of the downfall, other than like the egos that you, that you mentioned and like the clash of personalities in Molotov, I feel like one of the downsides was like you guys had a, a couple different teams and like, I don't feel like anybody ever just all like went all in and invested on you guys mm-hmm. from like a perspective of, from like a team, you know, from as someone who's done a little bit of everything in the music industry, just the stories I've heard from you guys, I feel like there's certain time periods of the band where things could have been handled better. So like yeah. what, you know, when it comes to like choosing a team, as far as management and agent and some of that stuff goes, like I know there's some b- people that are very timid and just do what they're told. I know there's some bands where like the fucking manager is basically like a figurehead, like basically just like, Hey, I need you to just carry the big stick and swing it when we can't get stuff done ourselves. Yeah. You know, like what, what's the number one advice when it comes to like choosing a team and trying to make that transition from like being a band who's small and tours till they're broke to like making the jump to try to get to the next level. Like what's the biggest piece of advice you would give a band from like, you know, being around the industry as long as you have. I think like you said, you never saw anybody that went all in for us. I think that you want to have a team that has your best interests in mind that wants to see you succeed and that can show that they're willing to go all in for you. We, we got played by metal blade. I don't, we don't have any bad blood by them or with them, but we were like a number signing and it was very clear essentially as soon as the record got released that they didn't care. We didn't get anything from the label our management at the time was one of the best in the game. It was Artery, and they gave, they did a lot for us. They pushed us as hard as they could. Um, and then we started having you know member issues and stuff like that. And we ended up then deciding to start working with um, Jason Maju Majau. Never, I'll never be able to pronounce his name it's right. Good. I thought it was Maju, so who knows? Magoo. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, and he did he gave us the world, um, him and Blackheart. Uh, it was unfortunate what happened with insurrection, but, um, before we had signed with them, me and Robbie were pretty much ready to call it quits. And they gave us everything. They gave us an album, music videos, tours, you name it. They took care of us. Um, the issue that happened is we grinded out through the self-titled and through the, the harbinger, even though they didn't get, you know, they didn't deliver on their promises. Uh, we grinded those albums out and, and busted our ass and spent 10 months a year on the road and, and really killed it all for insurrection to flop because it was leaked by the publicist that was handling the record two months prior to its release. I didn't fucking know that. I remember yeah. it got, I remember it got leaked, but I didn't know that like, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. So he kind of screwed up. Um, we got insane download numbers and stuff like that. But unfortunately at the time that was kind of before Spotify or whatever. So it didn't really contribute at all to our like plays or first week sales or anything like that. And our first week sales were okay, but they were very disappointing. And that was kind of my, like you were done. the last straw for me yeah. at that point. Well, and that back then that was like, what year was that? I don't remember what year did insurrection come out? That was 2011. 
So that was still when, like, the, like, if something leaked, everybody downloaded it. It yeah. wasn't, like, there was no movement for the, like, oh, like, protect your artist, blah, blah, blah. You know, now it's a lot easier. We're like, hey, this album leaked, but you should still protect the band. And, like, more people and even, like, the PR companies and all press and those places would be like, yeah, their album leaks and that sucks, but you should still support the yeah. band. Back then it was like, oh, sorry, tough shit. You know yeah. what I mean? So you just want to make sure that you have a team that you can trust and it's it's like it's like being in a relationship. It's like having a girlfriend, you know, like yeah. you got you got to trust them, you know, to look out for you and and have your best interests in mind and in the same way like you got to be willing to work hard still. You got to be willing to put everything, you know, that they need you to do into motion because yeah. at the end of the day they, you know, they're not going to hold your dick while you're trying to take a piss like Exactly. You, you got to be willing to put in the work. You got to be willing to, you know, meet deadlines and bust your ass and get shit done, whether you're at home working or whether you're on the road, whatever it is like, yeah. it's still, it's still that type of industry. So yeah, you just yeah, gotta I mean, I, have that trust factor. I think. Oh dude, that's, that's perfect. I agree. Like I have bands that they're like, well, what did you do for us this week? And I'm like, well, what did you do for me? And they're like, what? I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're not staying consistent with your social media. You're not staying on top of the stuff. I have no new content. I have no update about the new record. Like, or when a band's like, hey, what did you do? You know, why isn't anything happening? And I'm like, you guys have been home from tour for three weeks. You know, you haven't sent me over your numbers. We need to compare your sales from this tour to the last tour and see what your growth is and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, you know what I, I mean? Bands, bands that you know, that, that are having that issue. If you're, if you're, you and your members are the ones creating all your content, your social media stuff, whatever, you got to be on that shit. And if you're yeah. not hire somebody to do it for you, yep. it's simple. It, it doesn't cost a ton of money. It's reasonable. And it's the most important, one of the most important parts of being in a band and trying to tour and trying to get out of your local scene today. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, content and, like, imagery, I mean, that's not really the official term, but, like, it is important, you know, yeah, because I, I... Live sets, music, like, any kind of video, anything that you can constantly just kind of be pumping out mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. yeah. One of the best things that I learned from Marshy, too, as far as, I don't know, band management, whatever it is, is that... Yeah. Anytime you have something to post, whether it's just like, hey, look at these cool photos of us playing live or like, hey, check out this video of our live set or, you know, whatever. Here's here's a preview of something is to always tag your merch store. If you have something to promote, you have something to sell. Always be selling something. Always, be, always be pushing. Sell shirts. Even yeah. if you just sell one, that's one that you wouldn't have sold if you didn't put the link up there. I mean, that, that's, I mean, shit, that's, that's a great idea. You're a hundred percent right. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. Well, so pay me, pay me for that. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. Sorry. Sorry. I, when I get all my bands, I'll make them watch this episode. And anytime I get that, that 10 cents, I'll send, I'll send five to you. All right. Like, <laughs> um, well, well, Nick, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm, trying to keep these episodes a little bit shorter because yeah, whole reason I started, a little long. Yeah. That's the whole reason I started this whole thing because <laughs> I want people to like be able to do this stuff without a two hour podcast. So, and you um, and I can talk all, all, all fucking, fucking day. day. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, so guys, thanks for watching Nick. Thanks for being here. Uh, please for subscribe below. Um, Nick, where can everybody find you personally on the, on the internet? 
uh, Nikki Infidel on Instagram, Nick Infidel on Twitter. If that's your thing, I wouldn't recommend following me. Um, and that's, yeah, that's it. And I'll have Nick's links and all this stuff at the, you know, in the description down below. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure everyone that wants to know what's going on with Malta, there'll be an update soon. So follow Nick on on social media for that. Um, Nick, I have th- three questions that we that I wrap with for everybody. Okay. We'll bang them out real quick, and then we'll call this shit quits, baby. Sweet. First question: What is your favorite color? Uh, I don't know. Let's just say uh, let's just say green. I like green. Dude, you're like I like your I like your headset. It was your third guest that said green and green is my favorite color, so I'll fucking take it. Right? I don't know. I heard a, I heard a quote the other day, and they were like, "Well, I'm not fucking ten anymore, so I don't really have a favorite color." But um, <laughs> I like I like green. Green. Well, like shit. you know, I'm trying to do different something different, or like we talk a little less about the music and more about the people that play the music. But like, there's still the cheese ball stuff that everybody wonders. You know what Hell I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next thing. Next thing is, what's your favorite food? Sushi. I see. I didn't know that about you. Easy money all day. All you can eat. I'll out eat anybody. If you want to put some money on the table, come get <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, third question. Um, not final question, but third question. Um, you know, is there a new band or a new record? Even if you don't aren't familiar with the band's other material, like what are you jamming right now? Like who is a band or a record that you think everybody that watches this should check out? And End. They just got an article on Forbes, believe it or not. But end. Yeah, they're sick. That's Will that Putney. All of us were like, "Whoa!" Yeah, crazy. They're a sick band. I liked. I liked their EP from the Unforgiving Arms of God. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And uh, the new cool. music they've released two songs, and they're both slappers. So. Okay, I agree. I, I'm, I'm 100 buying that. Okay, this is how I wrap every episode. I got, I got one, one last question for you. Um, you know. Uh, People watching are probably tired of me explaining this, but I'm going to explain it to you so you understand. Um, you know, there's a difference. You know, when you go to a show, even if you're trying to be yourself, there's the way the fans talk to you and interact with you. And then there's also the way you have to behave on the internet for the business political reasons. Mm-hmm. But then there's the real you. You know what I mean? So, like, the people that know the internet, Nick, or multi solution Nick, that, like, don't know you, like, I know you, like, you must have like a quality or personality trait or even like an interest or a hobby that like maybe no, no, not a lot of people realize about you or know about you. Like, it, I know that's kind of like a broad answer range, like whether it's like a hobby an interest, a personality trait, whatever, like, but is there something that you wish more people or maybe more specifically like your music fans knew about you? I don't know if I wish, <laughs> I don't know if I wish that more people knew about it, but I'm gonna go ahead and divulge it anyway. Ooh. Ooh. Um, okay, let me let me pull up my Steam account just real quick, and I'll tell you how many hours I've played on my favorite video game. And that's just on this account, not on my old account. But I have four thousand four hundred and seventy-six hours played on Dota Two, which is something like 180, 190 days. Okay. Like full twenty-four hour days. It's ridiculous. So. And and to refresh my memory, Dota Two is like the real League of Legends, right? Yeah, like it's, League of Legends ripped off Dota basically, and pretty much got a, got a little more cartoony and popular. Yes. Okay. Yes, 
Dota okay. 2 is the game, the largest esport, or ha of all esports, has the largest prize pool in history. But yeah, that's Dota 2. Okay. And that's that's my go. game. I still play it. Almost yeah, 15 years later. <laughs> hey, fuck it. That's tight. I mean, I tried yeah. playing League for a little bit, and like the way you have to interact and the different characters and knowing who does what, I was just, I sucked. I was terrible. Yeah, it's a good release. It's a good way for me to vent some anger and scream yeah. at people for a while oh, on the computer screen. <laughs> I love video games are wonderful for that. Yeah. So. Okay, well, Nick, thank you for joining me, brother. Uh, Thanks I really for having me. It. Um, everybody, uh, like I said, in the, at the end of the video, well, not the end of the video, but like below the video, I'll have all Nick's links per usual all mine. Uh, please subscribe. I'm really pushing for that 150 followers mark soon. Uh, it was just my birthday. So uh, if you watch this and haven't subscribed, but you just watch because you're like my friend uh, or your Nick's friend, uh, I'm one of Nick's best friends. So you should fucking subscribe. Yes. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you. Brother. <laughs> love um, you, man. I love you too. Thanks for joining. Uh, everybody that watched, thanks for checking this out per usual. Uh, this is is my 19th episode. And like I said, this is actually a two-part episode because Nick is going to be returning for my 20th episode where we have quite a, a bit of fun in store for everyone. All right. It's been your boy, Actual Cupcake. This has been another episode of Me Unedited with Nick fucking Arthur.